This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Vale Arakoglu. Hello. Here at Traveler, we've long been obsessed with the Ghanaian brand Axe, which uses women's weaving techniques often passed down through generations to make ultra-colorful and sustainably produced handbags. Today, we're joined by the brand's founder and designer, Akosua Afriye Kumi, calling in from Kumasi, Ghana. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. So to get started, I just want to ask a very... Simple question, but also I think probably has many answers to it, which is what is life like in Ghana right now? Yeah, life is really simple in Ghana. The sun is constantly shining. I couldn't be happier to be here because my mom is actually stuck in the UK in the lockdown and it's snowing and she's constantly complaining how she can't wait to come back. So yeah, Ghana, the life here, it's super, super simple. Um, With the whole pandemic, everything has kind of changed a little in terms of we are not going out as much. There's a lot of restrictions, um, slight restrictions, not as in other countries around the world. But I love being here. This is where my family lives. This is my home. So I've always been really drawn to live in somewhere that the sun is constantly shining. (laughs) I guess that's where I get all my inspiration from. And yeah, I would say life is good here. I'm happy. I am sitting in my window, uh, staring at the snow, trying to get as much sunlight on my face as possible. So I am very jealous of uh, (laughs) the near constant sunshine that you are experiencing. Um, But to rewind back to the beginning, you know, I'd love to know how Axe got its start or even to go back further, how you got into design in the first place. Yeah. So, um, of course, I lived in Ghana when I was growing up. Um, Beautiful country, lots of nature, lots of color. So that has always been something that has been at the back of my mind when growing up. I've always had a love for arts. Um, I went to school and specifically did visual arts because I loved to draw when I was really young. And I guess my parents saw this talent, I would say, um, in me. And at the time when I was growing up in Ghana, art wasn't valued. So um, there was a lot of 
times where I would go to school and people would ask me because it was a school that had, of course, other people were doing other courses as well. Um, and I would tell them I'm doing visual arts. That's what it was called at the time. And everybody would be like, what? Basically, it was a course that nobody wanted to do. And that's what I wanted to do. So through a lot of encouragement from my family, they knew that this is what I was inspired by. And at the time when I finished school, my sister was in the UK. So my parents thought it would be perfect for me to go to a country or a place or a university that really appreciated my sense of design or my flair for fashion, I would say. Um, so that's how it all happened. And I left Ghana when I was 18, when I graduated. And then I went to study in the UK. And of course, I wanted to do graphic design. But then I fell into fashion because I loved the idea of clothing. So after graduating, it was what to do, what to do. I did a lot of internships and I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my mom and my dad both own their own businesses. So it's not uncommon for any of my sisters or my brothers to say, oh, we are going to start our own business. It's just something that I've grown up with. So I remember when I was in the UK trying to find a job and my mom visited and she said, why don't you come to Ghana and start this thing that you're always talking about? But at the time, I didn't have anything solid in hand that, oh, I'm going to Ghana to do this and that. I started doing a bit of research and she said, yeah, just try, come back to Ghana. If it doesn't work, at least you tried. So I was like, okay, at least I tried. Okay, let me go back to Ghana and see where it takes me. And that's how the journey all began. And I literally packed my bags in less than a week. And I came back to Ghana with my mom after being in the UK for eight years. Um, so yeah, she was really the biggest push for me to realize I need to do something and not rely on finding a job, but actually I could create something. So I came back to Ghana, spent a year traveling around the whole country, trying to make my ideas come to life. At the time, I was torn between doing accessories or doing fashion clothing because my background was in clothing. But I knew I wanted to go out and do something unique something that hasn't, I haven't seen before. But I remember, of course, being inspired by beach wear or beach clothing and being inspired by the sun here in Ghana. So when I returned, it was, it just happened. Yeah, and all the color and everything around, I mean, on Sundays, um, all the women are in their colorful clothing and I couldn't have imagined starting my brand living in the UK where I open my windows and it's gray outside. But here I open my window and the sun is out. So it's like, okay, let's put yellow, let's put blue. <laughs> so it really, really inspires me to kind of go crazy with my ideas and not um, think of a product that could maybe only work in a certain country but let's see what happens I'm sure there are color lovers like around the world so this was kind of my idea and then I launched my first collection and it happened really quickly you were talking about how when you were starting out in you know middle school and high school that creativity in that way wasn't valued in the way that maybe you see it now can you talk a little bit about 
any shift that you've seen in the appreciation or interest in makers and, and artists and creatives in Ghana? Yeah, absolutely. So at the time, um, yeah, art wasn't appreciated. Everybody wanted to be either a doctor or a pharmacist or an engineer. These were the top roles and I wanted to be a designer. So it wasn't really heard of. Um, but now there's been such a change in movement. There's been a huge, huge change in the appreciation for design and I see so many people starting their own brands and it's been such a huge shift in maybe the last five to six years where everything has really really moved on now it's like it's actually cool to be an artist whilst before it wasn't something that people were hoping to do when they grow up but there's a lot of support um, around the world for designers or African design at the moment. And this has really propelled everything to another stage. And I'm so happy to be part of that movement currently here in Africa or Ghana specifically. You know, sort of we're talking about how there wasn't as much of an appreciation for design and the visual arts, but there's also a huge history of craftsmanship and your brand draws on that history of craftsmanship and weaving techniques that have been passed down through generations. Was it always your intention to kind of draw on those processes or was it a sort of organic thing that made sense as you started to explore your own country more? Yeah, so um, I wouldn't say it was a conscious decision, but when I was doing my research before I came back to Ghana, I knew I wanted to create something completely different. So when I arrived is when I, I saw all these amazing handmade processes here in Ghana, which there was no spotlight on this around the world. So I, I was really intrigued in this aspect of maybe basketry or craftsmanship, which was happening here in Ghana. And I thought I could gear my way towards this um, idea or I would say towards this concept but it was very very organic. I started with three women under a tree and I worked under a tree for probably a couple of years. I didn't have a studio so every time I used to travel to the north it was yeah me and my three women under a tree and then it grew into 10 women, 20 women, 30 women. So I love that aspect of it because um, all the women that I work with actually have children or they are out of school. And it's like changing that conversation around um, using weaving as an actual source of income or something that can be sustained for a very long time because weaving, most of the artisans do not, they grow up so your parents are weavers, you are a weaver, your brother's a weaver, your granddad is a weaver. It's really generations from generations. So the skill set, it's not something the women are thinking, oh, this is so special, but that's where I come in and I'm, I show them where my brand has gone and their skill sets and they are so blown away thinking, wow, like I did this. So a lot of changes are happening in terms of people understanding weaving as an actual art 
and working with the women, it's so special because I get to know about their lives, their children's, and I feel really part of the, their families as well. And to help women, um, even in my finishing team, I only have one male, everyone, it's a female. And I love that. It's just, it's something that I guess, yeah, I have a lot of sisters. I have three sisters and I have only one brother. So, <laughs> and he's the youngest. So I've always, my house is just full of women. It's just my dad and my my brother and that's it. And it's just women everywhere. So yeah, I, I guess it's always on my mind to work with women and to see where that goes. Yeah. Ever wanted to go inside the Met Gala? I'm Cho Minardi and this week on The Run Through Vogue, we take you inside the world's most exclusive and glamorous party. We'll talk about the best looks from the red carpet and everything that happened after. Listen to The Run Through with Vogue wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tyres, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Sustainability and really ethical values are behind a lot of the ethos of what you put out into the world, either on social media or in the story of your bags. What has creating those ethical values been like and what has implementing them in how you produce and sell your bags looked like as well? Yeah, so um, creating them has been honestly not something that maybe I go out and say, yes, I'm going to be an ethical brand. It's part of my life. It's part of living in Africa where these are some of the methods of production that we use here, which just it's absolutely beautiful. So, of course, I wouldn't want to produce thousands and thousands of my bags. So all of my products are made by hand. And when I say made by hand, it's really, really made by hand. The entire process is actually made by hand. And I would love to do a video around that to show from sourcing of the raw materials to the twisting to the dyeing to the actual weaving and then the bags being transported to Kumasi where I am and us doing all the finishing and packaging and everything till it gets to the customer. It's truly, truly, truly made by hand and that's something so special um, that I would love to continue that conversation along the way. 
So, you know, you mentioned earlier how when you first got back to Ghana from the UK, you started traveling around and researching and formulating the idea for the brand. You know, as your designs have continued to evolve and I assume you've kept traveling both in Ghana and internationally, how has that continued to shape your vision and, and influence you? What sort of how important has travel been as an inspiration? Through my brand, I've been able to travel to so many places. And it's so nice when I travel to maybe Paris or Milan or Cape Town or even Accra. I literally just sit back and I imagine all the women passing by, like them holding my bags and the looks that they have. Will that work? Would that not work? So I think travel has really impacted my designs because when I started, um, it was more about what I loved. And now it's about what the customer loves, what I love and putting that together as a brand. And yeah, I'm so happy that I'm able to do that. Are there any places that you've been that you know, as soon as you've landed, you've been like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to come back home with so much to work on because I've seen so much. Cape Town was amazing. Um, I couldn't believe I was still in Africa. Um, I've been to Morocco, which I absolutely love because the craziness of the souks is just like being in Ghana in Kumasi and Kejitia <laughs> in the markets. And that's so special. And um, I love being in, of course, other countries such as France or Italy or Belgium. It gives me, it's like a juxtaposition of like different ideas and what that could work here, what that could work in a, another country like or a continent like Europe or the US or Canada and just putting all those ideas together. So I think it's really, really, really helps me to stay more inspired and also to kind of stay on trend and to see what customers love and how far I can push that. Sort of just to, to stay on this topic for a little bit longer, I loved what you were saying about when you see all these women walking by and you imagine your bags on them and how they would wear them and how, you know, how it would work <laughs> for them. What, what are some of the cities both um, throughout Africa and abroad that you think has really great style that you see, you know, see the people walking down the street and you're just captivated by their style? Yeah, um, I would say Kenya, of course, Accra in Ghana, um, Nigeria, Paris, Milan was crazy. I went <laughs> during Fashion Week and it was so cool to see all these girls and women and men so beautifully dressed and it was such an inspiration to see that and to envision okay my bag would fit perfectly on this girl just walking down that street and it's it's really inspirational I really enjoyed it you know the last year has obviously meant that a lot of us have been staying a lot closer to home um and most of us haven't been able to travel very freely in the last year with travel you know, inspiring you and seeing other people's style inspiring you. How have you been able to stay creative while you've been a little less moving around? That's not proper grammar, but we're going to go <laughs> go with it. Yeah, so um, the pandemic has been 
extremely strange for me and my brand or for black owned businesses around the world um in june everything changed where there was so much or so many people around the world sharing black owned businesses due to a tragic incident in the u.s which became almost a positive at in the end where a lot of black owned businesses were being highlighted on various platforms around the world and through that my sales skyrocketed like literally through the roof i was running around the whole of the place the whole of ghana trying to put things together and to actually fulfill all the orders that i've gotten um so of course the pandemic has stopped me from traveling but it's also really helped me to slow down at the same time and to really appreciate the little things in life um a lot of families have come together um a lot of people have realized that is just time to slow down and with my brand everything it's very slow so in terms of my practices or my ways of life in Ghana not much has changed for me um i remember going to london when i moved back to ghana and i stood at victoria station i was like oh my god everybody was just running around and i've been here for maybe 2 years and i haven't been back and i couldn't believe i was part of that rat race and i feel the pandemic will make everyone really appreciate the little things to go back to basics and also there's been um a movement around you know supporting local brands or local communities or local companies um and this is so nice because then we are able to connect directly with customers who want to buy something from a smaller brand instead of a bigger brand so it's worked in a positive slash negative way but i feel it's going to make everyone take a step back and to rethink yeah where you want to go in life what you really want to do and i'm so happy to be here to experience this even though everyone is stuck at home i <laughs> i feel um it could potentially be a way for people to refocus yeah rethink yeah you know there's been a lot of conversation in the US specifically about that kind of influx of sales that you saw over the summer and uh how great that was but how much stress it put on um a lot of small businesses you know you were saying you're running around trying to find the materials what was that time like for you seeing your sales increase so much and then having to meet that expectation unexpectedly Yeah so um I think it all started on the 2nd of June when I woke up and my online store I had over 100 sales I thought what's going on <laughs> so I obviously I knew everything that was happening in the US I was trying to rethink what's how the connection was and yeah it was really stressful um because it was during in March April that all the countries were going on lockdown and if you haven't like restocked on your materials or anything but in terms of the conversation around the world it was like everything was coming to an end so 
I feel a lot of small businesses didn't have any backup. We just sat back thinking, okay, we've probably, we are probably not going to do this for a long time. We will see where things are going. And then suddenly, boom, all these sales. And honestly, I was excited and fearful at the same time because a lot of customers around the world are so used to everything being super, super fast. You order something on Amazon and it's 24, I don't know, maybe four hours and you receive it in the US. And here in Ghana, everything is super slow. So, <laughs> so to me, I'm just, I'm still living that slow lifestyle. So I was quite worried that customers might not be happy in terms of our delivery times and the making processes. But I, everybody was so so nice and I guess as I was saying previously it's just a time for everyone to really slow down and to rethink so everybody was extremely happy to wait and they gave us yeah enough time to do production and yeah so I had a lucky escape but it was busy it was busy I was running around like a crazy chicken <laughs> but it was yeah it was busy but good good busy you must have had real conflicting feelings to be experiencing success and such excitement during a time that also was very difficult and was, like you said earlier, born out of something terrible. It was. It made me feel I couldn't celebrate. I felt, do I share this on social media? Do I tell my followers that this is what's happening? Or do I keep it to myself and just fulfill the orders and maybe the conversation would change eventually? But it was tough. It was tough to know where I sit as a brand. But then the great thing that happened was there was a lot of positive things that came out of what happened. Um, and I feel a lot of new voices were being heard. And I was happy to be part of that and, yeah, to really write thoughtful messages to customers, to people around the world, thoughtful posts on social media to really connect with a new kind of customer who probably before that wouldn't have connected with me. So, yeah, something positive came out of it. You know, obviously last year was a wild year. What does 2021 look like for you and the brand? Yeah, so um, during the pandemic, we actually launched our home decor products, just like really simple baskets, which are doing so, so well. So 2021, it's to expand on our home decor side of the business um, and also to launch my new collection, which is super delayed, but we are still working and I have tons and tons of new stores on board really big stores that I'm, I'm, I always wanted to sell to. So I'm happy that 2021 is going to be that year that I'm going to expand as a business, even through it all. Um, yeah, to expand and to grow as an emerging brand from Africa and to connect with many people around the world. So I'm so excited. Um, and if you have not seen the lamps that Akosua and Axe does. The lampshades are so stunning. Um, and we will link her site and her social in the show notes. But where can people find you and your bags online? 
Yeah, so um, you can visit my website, which is aksonline.com or connect with me on Instagram. I'm always on it and it's a.a.k.s. Yeah, just that. When you search for it, it'll come up really easy. Amazing. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. And I'm at Lale Hannah. Uh, be sure to check out uh, those amazing handbags and baskets and lampshades online. Uh, follow Women Who Travel on Instagram at Women Who Travel. Join our Facebook group and subscribe to our newsletter. And we will talk to you next week. I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie Challengers. It starts in Dea, at the center of a tennis triangle, and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people and a game meant for two. Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.